Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, April 22nd, 2020. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. I'm here on my own today to get you through just a little bit of news and a handful of recommendations, because in today's episode, I have a conversation with my friend Jose Solis, who is not only a theater critic, a member of the rotating panel of my favorite non-Broadway radio theater podcast, if you can follow that, that's Maximu, I've talked about it often, but for today's purposes, he is one of the decorated member of the Drama Desk's nominating committee. That is our big story today. The Drama Desk announced their 65th annual nominations, and we're going to get into that in just a second. But before we do, I do want to bring you up to date on just a little bit of news that we have not yet talked about. Earlier this week, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio announced that non-essential events have been canceled through the month of June. Of course, currently, the Broadway shutdown is only scheduled to go through June 7th, but as we have talked about multiple times, that is not necessarily a reflection on when the Broadway League or any other stakeholders believe that shows will get back to running, but rather just a point in time that they have already negotiated the stoppage through. Also being canceled, we learned earlier this week, that the 2020 Pride March in New York City has been canceled for the first time in the March's 50-year history due to the ongoing health crisis. The 2020 NYC Pride events had originally been scheduled to happen June 14th through 28th, and those, of course, have been canceled as well. All right, with all of that disappointing stuff out of the way, let's get in to the 65th Annual Drama Desk Award nominations. They were announced on Stars in the House, the twice-daily live stream hosted by Seth Rudetsky and James Wesley. The nominations are fantastic, and as Ashley and I talked about, I think it was the Lortels last week, just having these awards to talk about and give us just the slightest glimpse of normalcy in our theatrical schedule was a blessing on Tuesday. Of course, the Drama Desk Committee decided that the season, for all intents and purposes, would end on March 11th, so only shows that opened between the end of last season and March 11th were considered on March 12th. That is when the shutdown started, of course, and the 65th Annual Drama Desks will be awarded on May 31st. We will get more details about how that will happen in the coming weeks. But first, let's get on to the nominations themselves. For Outstanding Play, we have Cambodian Rock Band by Lauren Yee, Greater Clements by Samuel D. Hunter, Halfway Bitches Go Straight to Heaven by Stephen Adley Girgis, Heroes of the Fourth Turning by Will Arbery, and The Inheritance by Matthew Lopez. For Outstanding Musical, we have Octet, The Secret Life of Bees, Soft Power, A Strange Loop, and The Wrong Man. Outstanding Revival of a Play, we have Fifu and Her Friends, For Colored Girls Who Have Considered Suicide, When Rainbow Is Enough, Macbeth, much Ado About Nothing, and A Soldier's Play. For Outstanding Revival of a Musical, we have Little Shop of Horrors, The Unsinkable Molly Brown, and West Side Story. We're going to run through some of the performance categories as well. Outstanding Actor in a Play, Charles Bush for The Confession of Lily Dare, Edmund Donovan, Greater Clements, Raul Esparza, Seared, Francis Zhu, Cambodian Rock Band, Trini Sandoval for 72 Miles to Go, and Kyle Soler for The Inheritance. Outstanding Actress in a Play, Rose Byrne, Medea, Liza Colon Zayas, Halfway Bitches Go Straight to Heaven, Emily Davis, Is This a Room, April Mathis, Tony Stone, Ruth Nega for Hamlet. Outstanding Actor in a Musical, David Aaron Demain, The Unsinkable Molly Brown, Chris Dwan, Enter Laughing, Joshua Henry, The Wrong Man, Francis Zhu, again, for Soft Power, Larry Owens, A Strange Loop. Outstanding Actress in a Musical, Tammy Blanchard for Little Shop of Horrors, Beth Malone, The Unsinkable Molly Brown, Sekhan Singhla, The Secret Life of Bees, Elizabeth Stanley, Jagged Little Pill, Adrian Warren, Tina, The Tina Turner Musical. 
We will have a complete list of all of the nominations in the show notes and on broadwayradio.com, and I will talk about some of the different categories with Jose in just a few minutes. But I will note something I talk about with Jose is that there is some fantastic diversity represented in all of these categories, which is always applauded. Uh, I hope that it is also recognized, and it's not just that the nominating committee has a better view on these things than the, than the entire uh, voting body does. But check those out, and it, again, even though it's for a shortened season and we won't have the traditional Drama Desk Awards ceremony, it is wonderful to have these great performances to celebrate. In a little bit of other news, we did not get to have the 90th birthday for Stephen Sondheim that we would have had if things had not gone to hell on a handbasket with the opening of the Broadway revival of Company. So instead, a star-studded lineup has been announced for a special virtual concert in celebration of his birthday, Take Me to the World, a Stephen Sondheim 90th birthday celebration. It will happen this Sunday, April 26th at 8 p.m. It will be a free online event hosted by recent Drama Desk nominee Rolo Sparza and is set to take place on the 50th anniversary anniversary of the opening night of Company, the original Broadway production. This once-in-a-lifetime event will include songs and inspiration from the Sondheim catalog, featuring performances from many of the stars who delivered iconic turns in the shows, including Meryl Streep, Bernadette Peters, Patti Lapone, Audra McDonald, Mandy Patinkin, Christine Baranski, Donna Murphy, Kristen Chenoweth, Sutton Foster, Brian Stokes Mitchell, Kelly O'Hara, Aaron Tveit, Maria Friedman, Ian Armitage, Katrina Link, Michael Cerverus, Brandon Uranowitz, Stephen Schwartz, Elizabeth Stanley, Chip Zion, Alexander Gemignani, Melissa Errico, and more. In all honesty, the reason that Ashley is not here is because she refuses to do anything between now and Sunday other than think about this concert. We also learned yesterday that the Netflix filming of Ben Platt's Madison Square Garden from late last year will now be available on the streaming service beginning on May 20th. So if you were not able to get a ticket to get into Radio City, I think it was in September, now you can get a chance to see that film. And finally, I've got a handful of recommendations. Real quickly, I've got two of the Living Room concert performances. The first is from Desi Oakley. She's fantastic. The second is from Rory O'Malley. Also fantastic. He's singing I Feel So Much Spring, which is a, sh a song that I really think we could all use right now. So that's fantastic. Then earlier this week, the original Broadway cast of American Idiot got back together via a Zoom call to celebrate the show's 10th anniversary with a virtual performance of 21 Guns. It's uh, really, really great. So check that out. And then finally, to kind of tie up a lot of the Sondheim stuff together, also talking about birthdays, Tuesday was the birthday of not only Claiborne Elder, who is in company, uh, but Patti Lapone as well. And members of the cast, led by Stephen Sondheim himself, gave a wonderful happy birthday wish to Patti Lapone. It included um, Jennifer Samard rewriting the words uh, to a song from Evita and her company stage husband Christopher Sieber dressing up like Eva Peron in a truly truly bonkers rendition so uh, you have to check this out it is absolutely wonderful alright now with all of that out of the way it is time to talk to my friend the great and the good Jose Solis alright so Jose my, my first question has to do with the fact that we have award nominations for a season that didn't get completed, and it's like the highlight of my week. The fact that we actually have something positive to talk about with theater uh, in what otherwise has been a, a really kind of stark and, and depressing and frustrating time. How did the decisions um, surrounding 
when to make the cutoffs and how the drama desk were to move forward. Is that something you can talk about to come together to say, we are going to move forward with these awards because some other organizations have chosen some different paths. I can only talk about my impressions in that because okay. I was not involved in the process of, you know, deciding whether the awards and the nominations uh, were uh, going to go through as, as planned originally. I, I had no input whatsoever on that, but just like you, it made me so excited to to learn that we were going to go forward with the nominations. Because one of the things that I, for the past two years, that I've been looking forward to the most was meeting the other nominators in, in April <laughs> <laughs> to finalize the nominations. Well, and this year was obviously much different. You did meet, but not in person. You met in what looked like a Zoom call. I know the Drama Desks tweeted out a picture of everybody uh, when you had your nominator meeting, how did that change things for you uh, as a nominator? Obviously, I'm sure you would have voted for the same shows whether you met in person or not, whether they, this was a full season or not. But how did it change necessarily how you viewed your work as a nominator this year, as opposed to maybe some, you know, last, cause I think last year was your first year. Um, how, how is it different now that we're living in kind of a, a very different theatrical landscape? Well, allow me to be both very shallow and also very sentimental while I answer this. The shallow part comes in the fact that usually when we meet and, you know, we have this lengthy, quite lengthy uh, in-person meetings. And I'm very shallow because during the Zoom meetings, there was no coffee and bagels because <laughs> I was home in my apartment. And <laughs> I kind of miss having that endless coffee refill whenever I needed one. But and the sentimental part is that, you know, it, it's so different. I, I, I respect and I, you know, I admire the people in the nominating committee so much. And just as with everything else right now, even, you know, the late night shows and all the, the attempts at recreating theater that we're seeing, what broke my heart the most was not being next to these people, having those bagels and that coffee and talking passionately about theater, which is one of the highlights of my mm -hmm. career so far, you know, in the two years that I've been doing this uh, as a part of the nominating committee, I love meeting with these people. Like, Matt, can you imagine getting to hang out with seven other <laughs> You're all great. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're all amazing. And just talking about theater for like hours, <laughs> it's, it's really one of the highlights of my, of my, of my year. Yeah. Before we get into some of the specifics on the actual nominations, the in a, in a the last kind of like general broad question, did you find yourself being drawn to either works or performances or designs um, differently now that you were looking back at them because of the situation that we're in now than maybe you did when you first saw them, or did you just see so much that you can't even make those comparisons now? I just wonder if maybe some of the things that stood out to you now because we're in the middle of a global pandemic would have been different had this not happened and you would have gone about the nomination process normally you know what that's a really great question and to be honest i haven't even looked at it that way at all because i am going through such severe theater withdrawal mat that just like any mention of any show pre-march 12th and anything pre-march 12th just gets me instantly excited so to be honest i did not consider the new normal, so to speak, uh, it did not influence any of my decisions, at least not consciously. 
Uh, I was, again, just so excited to be talking theater with these people because something that's very important to note uh, is that, for instance, you know, if the Tonys had gone on, the Broadway season, I believe, would have had 36 shows total or something like that. Yeah. And by the time that the board of the drama desk made the decision to cut the, you know, the 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 2019-2020 season on March 11th, the nominators uh, combined, we had seen over 200 shows. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's like, I don't know math, but that's like way more than the Tonys. Uh, <laughs> so for me, it was also just so exciting, you know, in the middle of all of this to get to celebrate these works that have been with us since the beginning of the last season. You know, like if you yep. go through the nominees, I think that we did a pretty good job and you know that's something that comes about organically like we don't you know we don't make those decisions like the nominations are as much a surprise for the nominees <laughs> and for the audience as they are for us yeah in in the room so and i'm always so excited when i get to see that shows that we saw over i don't know 10 months ago end up getting nominations so that's yeah. always really well, beautiful well, even, I mean, just in the outstanding musical category, and correct me if I'm wrong on some of the timings of these, but I feel like Octet, A Strange Loop, and The Secret Life of Bees were all summer of 2019, right? Weren't they? Yes. Basically, I saw all of those shows in shorts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, so it really is a really good, you know, kind of time capsule of the past, you know, season that it, so often we hear about awards shows really focusing, not because, you know, for any any conscious reason on the most recently opened shows. Um, but to have those shows that stood out so much at the very beginning of the season is really special. But um, let's start talking about some of these uh, categories in specifics. And what I, as I was going through this, this list, Jose, I, I thought, you know, we lost a good month of the season when there was so many great shows scheduled to open and yet, when you go through and look at the outstanding play, the outstanding re musical, the outstanding revival of a play, outstanding revival of a musical categories, you're like, this was still a phenomenal season, despite the fact that we lost a really show-heavy month. It's incredible. In some twisted, perverse way, I wonder if the theater gods were blessing us in <laughs> advance, knowing that we wouldn't get March and April openings. Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, if you look at it, we'll start with the the outstanding play category with uh, Cambodian rock band Greater Clements, Halfway Bitches Go Straight to Heaven, Heroes of the Fourth Turning, and The Inheritance. And I'm not going to ask you specifically about the individual shows, because uh, that's not what today is is about necessarily. But these really run the gamut in terms of the style, in terms of the creators, in terms of the themes of the show, uh, of the show's. And, and it really is a good cross-section of what this season was. And unsurprisingly, I think most people who listen to our show or listen to you guys over on Maximu or follow your writing, we all realize that the best work is done off-Broadway. So I, I think the fact that there are very few Broadway shows in the production categories is not a surprise. But when you look back at this season, as shortened as it was, about plays was there a theme with with these productions whether it's the nominees or just the entire season in general that you'll remember about seeing this plays specifically i guess the the thing because you know i haven't you know i've been like i think we've all been in quite a, 
a bit of a mood lately. So I yeah. haven't actually sat down to like look back romantically at the year that was because I am still like half in denial about what's going on, right? Like I keep hoping that I'll pinch myself and sure. be outside of Broadway theater about to go see a show. But to your point about off-Broadway, I, I guess that the one thing that comes to mind is that it's not necessarily the best work, Matt, because that's like extremely subjective, but the sure. most different and the most exciting work is what's happening off-Broadway. For instance, you know, like, yeah, I play like, like, like heroes. You know, I, I would, I don't know, like I can see, like, I'm even like, stuttering like i can't even imagine something that bold being on broadway so if anything i hope that this nominations and the 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 work that's being done on broadway when off broadway opens eventually i do hope that people will go out of their comfort zones and not only go to broadway shows and not only go see adaptations of uh, movies and books and other properties that they love but actually go bet on this exciting new works that are being produced off broadway yeah, amen on that. Um, now, one of the things that I always applaud the Drama Desks for, and it's very evident this year, is the diversity of nominees, especially in uh, in in all categories, but especially this year in the performer and uh, the performance categories. And you noted that there, I mean, is is it is it a majority of people of color or, I mean, I know there's a ton of Latinx acting nominations this year. I mean, it's really a great representation of what New York actually looks like as opposed to what we would see in most award shows. That also is very representative of, of Broadway. Uh, Absolutely. Like yeah, we said yeah, earlier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause you know, like Broadway is still predominantly white and the stories being told, told on Broadway are predominantly white you know, for instance, a musical like A Strange Loop, with, which is about, you know, a non-traditional hero, it's, it's what he would be called on Broadway. It's this, you know, plus-sized black queer character. And we don't see those kinds of characters on Broadway. So in many ways, because we didn't have all the Broadway openings, I guess that, you know, off-Broadway, you know, you just made me realize that off-Broadway is New York and Broadway is the idea of New York that they want to sell tourists basically, but off Broadway is what my <laughs> New York looks like. And I was, you know, I was so excited, Matt, like even just today when the nominations were unveiled and I was going through all the names and I have a very hard time crying, but I, I could feel like tears of joy because these are all the people in my city, you know, like these are all the people that I interact with. And it was just so exciting to see that. You know, I think that the Oscars could take a huge lesson from from us. <laughs> well, I mean, and it's true because I think when you include off Broadway in uh, the awards, like the drama desks do, as opposed to just the Broadway that the uh, that the Tonys do, I think there is a corollary to the film industry. Where yes, you will get an occasional small independent film that uh, shows up there, but it's generally an independent film that eventually got bought and distributed by a major movie studio and, and there is so much different work and eclectic work and and diverse and different work out there in all forms of art that I, I really think that the drama desks and some of the other organizations that highlight off-Broadway and off-off-Broadway work really does better than anybody else. Oh, yes, absolutely. So well, thank you. Thank yeah. you for bringing a very no, planner. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. So there's a couple of questions I want to ask about maybe some some specifics on things that uh, some folks might not recognize. There is this year an outstanding adaptation category, which you corrected me beforehand that I thought that this was a new category, but it in fact is not. It's just one that doesn't necessarily always have enough potential nominees to be a part of the actual nomination slate. So how did that exactly work from the technical standpoint of being included in this year's nominations? Uh, I'm not exactly at liberty to talk about that, but it's just, you know, as far as I understand, it's one of those categories that are only triggered when a certain amount of nominees. Okay. Exist. So you can't even say like, there has to be this many or anything like that. That's not something you're allowed to discuss. The only thing that I think I'm allowed to discuss, and this might get me in trouble, so I hope it doesn't, is that, you know, obviously, if there's more than one nominee, <laughs> right? Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah, I think any, you know, it's, I'm, I'm not entirely clear on it, but I guess as long as it's more than one, we're good to go. Okay. And this year we had uh, several options, as, as you can see, uh, and a bunch yeah. of them have nominated also. Yeah, well, and, and here's a question that kind of going off that that you probably aren't going to be able to answer so i apologize in advance for asking but um one of the the ones that i thought was really interesting was in the outstanding orchestrations category um you have uh octet which is a show that has no played music so no orchestra it is an uh acapella musical are you able to discuss is like i, I just it never would have occurred to me Obviously, if there was an outstanding arrangements category, that would have made sense. But is that kind of folded in? Is that part of the is that considered part of the orchestrations in this in this circumstance? What I can discuss about that specifically is that we uh, follow the billings and the programs. And gotcha. I am assuming I don't remember exactly and I, I wouldn't be able to talk about it. But I'm assuming that the person who was credited with the nomination appeared as an orchestrator in the program. It didn't appear gotcha. as a vocal arranger or whatever, because we don't have a category for that. You know, that's not a category like right. that's that, that we can trigger because it doesn't really exist. I don't think any um, do the Grammys have vocal. I don't know. Uh, but, who knows? Yeah. But I don't I don't think any theater award has that specifically. So we just followed you know, the, the, the programs and yeah. it was someone who orchestrated the beautiful uh, music that Dave Malloy composed uh, for those voices. And that's the person who ended up nominated. So, yeah. And just yeah. to be clear, it is Dave Malloy and or Matthias uh, were both co-nominated for, for Octet, which I, I think is great. I'm not uh, opposed to that at all. I think that's wonderful uh, because you there, if you listen to that, score and if you saw the show and don't think that there was incredible orchestrations done then i think we have a different definition of both orchestrations and fantastic so um but uh, you know kind of wrapping up a little bit there's so much great work in here and because of the situation that we find ourselves in none of it is currently running but over the last few years we've seen some great shows have return runs or extended runs or, or open up at different theaters is there anything on this list that you feel like your heart really wants to see once theater comes back to New York, whether that's in, well, it's not going to be in June, but whether that's in the fall or 2021 or whenever it is, is there a specific show or performance that really speaks to your heart and you think would be good, a, a good balm for what we need after this quarantine period? You know what? Even before the, the COVID uh, pandemic sent us home, 
there was a lot of buzz in New York about the possibility of shows like Octet, obviously, and The Secret Life of Bees and Strange Loop and Soft Power moving to Broadway. So even before all of this sent us home, we wanted to see those shows have another life. So I'm hoping for basically all the outstanding musical nominees <laughs> to show up at some point. But something that um, that I you know that I can't help but think of right now with with what you're saying is that, for instance, if you think about uh, outstanding solo performance. We nominated, uh, and this, I think I'm allowed to say this, and if I'm not, I really apologize to all <laughs> my fellow nominators and to all the members. My absolute favorite nomination in any category is the, uh, the nomination that we gave Kate Del Castillo for her work in The Way She Spoke, which was an Audible production. So one of the beautiful things about all the Audible productions is, as you may know, but maybe uh, not all your listeners know, is that they're all available on Audible. So yeah. you can listen to Kate's performance, basically. And I think there are other performances in a category that maybe were recorded and that people can have access to. But, you know, Matt, theater at the end of the day is all about taste and all about what makes us happy. So. <laughs> Those are the shows that make me happy, but I really would love to see every single show on our list come back. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think there's going to be theater space available. So hopefully some of these shows that had limited but very successful runs um, will be able to come back and, and fill some slots, whether that's off Broadway or on Broadway, because uh, whenever we get back to it, I think that we're going to need as much stuff out there. Uh, to try to get people back in the theaters once it's safe to do so. So I'm 100% on board with you, Jose, about getting as much of this good stuff back on the boards in one form or fashion. So you have your outfit ready for the very first show you're going to go see when we're allowed to go out again? I don't have an outfit because I, who knows if it's going to be snowing or, you know, 70 degrees. So I'll wait and figure out exactly uh, when that is. But do you? Because you have much better fashion than I do, I'm sure. I, I <laughs> well, thank you. You're very sweet. You're very kind. I do have an outfit ready, and the only thing that would be different is whether I'm wearing pants or shorts. But believe me, I have my outfit ready. Okay. Well, I highly look forward to seeing that because I'm sure you will put it on social media uh, for everyone else to enjoy who is not in the theater with you that day. <laughs> I definitely will. Yeah, and one last thing. I this is something that we've never spoken about, but I retweeted every chance I get. One of the coolest things out there is when we do have shows to go to as a critic and as a nominator you get to go to i mean just about anything but one of the things you often do and i don't know if it's if there's if it's every time or not but you will make available your plus one ticket to um, audience members of color who might not have an opportunity to go see shows and uh, I know you've talked about this, so we don't need to get necessarily get into all of the logistic details because who knows when the heck you'll be able to do it again. But why is that so important to you to be able to make that opportunity available to New Yorkers of color who might not have the opportunity to see some of these shows in very limited runs and sometimes with very high ticket prices? You know, to tie this into the whole spirit of the Drama Desk Award nominations announcement, just think about this, for instance. Let's think about, you know, me going to see a show like Halfway Bitches Go Straight to Heaven, right? And sitting next to a Latina woman or, or a Latino man, right? And just, you know, like being able to go to see that show with them and five months later 
we see that the performers, the Latino performers we loved were nominated. And do you have, you know, like, do you, I, I'm sure you know what it's like, because you're a huge like, sports person, right? Or am I crazy? No, I am. Big sports fan. Okay. Yeah. Right. So I don't know sports, but can you imagine if you go see your favorite like ball game thing and like your favorite player does like a home run or a touchdown and you're sitting next <laughs> to someone who looks like they could be related or they have the cultural background of that football or baseball player you love so much. And you get to look at them when that ball thing happens and you're so excited and you get to like look at them and maybe like high five with them because you're both so excited to see that. So that that's what that means to me. It It's not only about, you know, bringing people to shows, but about inviting people who don't have access to theater to see that in some places our stories are being told and that people like us are valued in some spaces in theater. So it's all about sharing the joy for me. Like, I feel like a very like uh, limited Santa Claus because I only get an extra ticket per show. <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of like that, Matt. Like I just, you know, I just want to right now, I just want to like go hug like all the people of color that I know who work in theater so we can celebrate this day because it's all about them. Yeah, absolutely. And like we said, when there are so many people of color who received nominations, the fact that there are often very, very few people of color in the audience, especially in some of these smaller off-Broadway houses, is uh, really something that I hope after this whole pandemic that producers and theater companies find a concerted way to rectify because it really is a, a travesty and, and really underselling the work that's being done on stage. So congratulations to you on the nominations. Thank you for what you do with uh, extending your plus ones. And I really hope that uh, as we continue to move through this and get close to theater, that you continue to spread the light that you do. And I hope that you are able to, uh, I don't know, survive somehow uh, like the rest of us are always trying to do. Thank you so much, Matt. I love your voice and it's always so surreal to hear it addressing me and thank you for making me feel very normal today because i i want that more than anything right now it's the least i could do I, i'm always here to supply a little bit of your love language <laughs> thank you so much man yeah. all right have a good rest of your day jose you as well all right bye-bye Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. Also, don't forget to head over to Patreon.com slash Broadway Radio if you were paying attention. On Monday night, my interview, my latest Tell Me More with the great, great, fantastic Lena Hall. That debuted in the podcast feed on Patreon before it did in the regular feed. So if you are able to and if you want to get a lot of this stuff early, head over to Patreon.com slash Broadway Radio, BroadwayRadio.com slash Patreon, where you can sign up up and get things before anybody else we love you thank you so much for supporting us either by patreon or just by listening it means the world to us i hope you're all doing well and we will talk to you again tomorrow 